You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, for the $75 patrons, should we just have an hour and a half where we argue about politics? We could we could do it for the $5 patrons, just not yeah. this episode, because we've got a lot to do. Yeah, maybe when the primaries come closer, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll closer to the primaries. Everything day. changes every week, and then also nothing changes. And Yeah. I, you, know. You, I know you're a big Bloomberg supporter. You, you want to you want to impeach Trump, but then reelect him because you want him to have more legitimacy. <laughs> yeah, I, I. It's funny that I was going to say that you are you are like the only person who is like begging the Bloomberg campaign to let you send them money. Um, is he even collecting money? I thought he's paying. No, for stuff. he's, he's not. not even trying he's, to get in the debates. I don't know what he's doing. It is. Uh, listen, billionaires only speak to other billionaires and they just get the worst ideas because yeah. it's their eight moron friends like egging them on. And they're not morons. They've just never been told no, you know, yeah. in their whole life. So. By the way, I encourage him to continue like Tom Steyer, continue donating money to good causes. But, um, you know, whatever. All right. So we have a guest here with us today. Um, yeah. As per as per 32 fans rules, anytime the Jets win a game by 30 points in the same week that a Martin Scorsese feature drops uh, off Sinensky. From the 32 Fans movie pod is contractually obligated to us. Just are burping. Yeah, I'm, I'm eating and drinking here. Sorry. We, we were supposed to start 35 minutes ago and you couldn't get your technology to work. Oh, boy. Famous last hey guys. one. Hey, guys. says it's very hey, easy. Uh, Just All you do is click a link and it takes care of it for you. Akiva, yeah, Akiva, Akiva was surprisingly more challenged than I even expected. Well, I'm, I mean, we record, Chester and record twice a week. I never have an issue. It just, you yeah. you tried to bring a, a, like a new partner into the uh, into the bedroom. Listen, yeah, Zoom. Sometimes there's unintended consequences. Yeah, we know, we know. Chester. What does Chester's that mean? What, what have you been up to? No, we know that you, you're horny and that you say <laughs> stuff like that all the time. It's famous. <laughs> no, you said we know as if you wouldn't. All right, we'll leave that aside. All right, so uh, we're going to do a couple of, of rankings here. We're going to do our uh, NFL power rankings through week 12. And then we're going to do our Martin Scorsese uh, film rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the uh, 25 Scorsese films. Akiva uh, watched all 25 in preparation for this podcast. No, I just checked. I've seen five or six, so I'm not, probably not going to join you for that. What, you're going to drop off the podcast? I think so. Had we known that, we could have recorded that for the last half hour instead of waiting for you. But all right, let's 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 jump right in. Akiva, who is the worst team in the NFL? Okay, uh, my team 32 is the Washington Redskins because I think if you're giving the Bengals... If you're giving the Bengals credit for Andy Dalton, like they're a much better team than the Redskins. And... Their quarterback, it's like dra- they drafted a quarterback in the middle of the season. Like, we're, we're going on what they are now. And if the Bengals were playing the Redskins on Sunday, they'd be a serious favorite over the Redskins. 
Yeah, uh, that's wrong. First of all, the, the Washington just won again. Okay, they beat Detroit, a, a decent team. Also, Cincinnati has not no a decent the, team. Andy they Dalton. beat Jeff Driscoll. Okay, Driscoll looked good the previous couple weeks against the Cowboys and against the uh, against the Bears. The Redskins are incompetent. They beat Jeff Driscoll. They they looked beyond inept against a, a bottom ten okay, team in the on. Jets. Your argument is that with Andy Dalton, the Bengals are a good team. Andy Dalton. No, they're the thirty first best games. team. Nobody said they're good. The Redskins don't have a coach. They literally don't have a coach. Their offensive line is like ignoring the quarterback on the sideline. Congratulations that they barely beat Jeff, Jeff Driscoll. Okay, but I'm not Andy saying Dalton, the Bengals are with, with awful. Although, with, but with Andy Dalton, the Bengals went 0-8. And, and they weren't exactly playing like yeah, a, a... The, guess, the Bengals are awful, but guess what? The Redskins are also awful. And I think the Bengals right now on Sunday would... You, you go man for man down down both teams. The Bengals have better players than the Redskins. I mean, the, the Bengals lost to the uh, Mason Rudolph Steelers 27-3. They lost mm-hmm. to the Cardinals at home. All right? They, like, they, you they, think the Redskins lost... are beating these teams? The Redskins beat Jeff Driscoll, who was, who was, you know, the worst quarterback in the NFL. Mazel tov. The Redskins have beaten two teams, which yes. is two more than the Bengals have beaten. Yes. FYI. Yes. Okay. Andy Dalton and the Bengals on Sunday against, uh, in a neutral site against right. Wayne You know what? We don't Redskins. need to argue the about this But, yeah, the Bengals are – You're making it seem like I, I'm putting the Bengals at 17 and saying that they're right. great. The Bengals are 32. You want to put them at 31. That's fine. You think the Bengals are going to beat the Jets? The Jets just smoked the Redskins. So how does well, that Jets, work? Well, well, hold on. The transitive property. So, the, so then the Raiders should be thirty seconds. The Jets beat the Raiders by thirty-one. Like, no, but I'm just saying, like you know, you're you're giving you literally predicted the, the Bengals to beat a team that just scored thirty-four points three straight weeks, and now you're saying that the, the Redskins. Well, that's more because I I don't think the Jets are very good. But okay, fine. The Jets aren't good. Um, all right. Um, by the way, I would probably pick Washington to beat the Jets also at home. Washington just beat the Lions. The Lions are better than the Jets. All right. Number That's 31. insane. The Jets just played Washington. Okay. And wasn't that game in Washington? Yes. And, okay. it, was, and it was an abomination. The, Red, the Redskins weren't competitive. Yeah, but Dwayne Hastings yeah. is getting his legs under him now. Keith, you know, the, the Jets twice in the last two years have played teams on 10 games losing streaks, and they lost both times. So. Oh, they're probably going to lose. <laughs> Listen, I'm the guy who's got the Bengals all the way up at 31. Yeah. <laughs> Um, by the way, how many times have the Jets won a game by 31 points in your guys' lifetime? 31 plus? Yeah. Uh, they beat the Seahawks opening day in 1997, 41-3. They won a playoff they, game 41-0 against the Colts. They, yeah, they beat Peyton Manning in the Colts. Four, four, no, 41. You were right the first time. Oh, okay. They beat Peyton Manning 41-0 in the playoffs. Um, other Jet wins by more than 30. Uh, they have a 45-3 against uh was it buffalo they have do you know the answer to this question or are you just asking yes. us alex yes they, right the 45 three is, is against buffalo am i right oh no you know i made a mistake sorry no 45 three against new england mistake. i didn't i they it was lost only 45 three to new england in 2011 no but they beat 45 i think on sunday night football i believe they beat new england 45 to three i it was the only game in my life i decided not to go to okay my so dad was, is, my dad was going with they beat the Raiders this year. They beat the Lions last year, forty-eight to seventeen in Week One. You guys forgot about okay. that. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It was Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. Th- then it was. Uh, then you go back to two thousand eleven. They beat Buffalo thirty-eight to seven. Okay. They beat the Bengals in 2010, 37-nothing. I was at that game. I should. That I, was. I, that I was ran the, out of NBC Sunday night. That was game two fifty-six. 
Yeah, I was at a wedding. I was at a wedding, and but that that wasn't a real football game. The Bengals, the Bengals, they were playing the next week. Yeah, they were resting for the playoffs. Yeah, which literally rested their whole team. Two thousand nine, the year before, they beat the Raiders thirty-eight nothing. Wow, they really yeah. Two thousand eight, they beat the Rams forty-seven to three. Two thousand three, the playoff game against uh, Peyton Manning that you mentioned, the forty-one nothing. Yeah. Two thousand two, they won forty-four to thirteen in San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then 1998, uh, their good season, they beat the Colts 44 to six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's happened. To, it's happened to I have 41, three, right. The opener in 97, um, 41 to three. Yeah. That's a 97 In 97. Yeah. They also beat that's Tampa, Parcells so. first game in Tampa. Who they, they Tampa, 31. Oh, so Tampa, the story of that game, I was at that game. Also the story of that game is the bucks had, uh, you know, the bucks had been so bad for so many years and then 97, the bucks started turning it around and Dugge, they yeah. had, they had 11 pro bowlers and the pro bowl came out right before that game. So it's like, Oh, how are the jets going to beat the bucks? They have 11 pro bowlers. And then the jets won 31 zero. Yes. Um, by the way, I-, I was all excited to come to the podcast to talk about Martin Scorsese. We're talking about the uh, 1997 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Listen, I loves, I'm the jets fan. He wants to talk about the 97. Yeah. Yeah, no, last dig- time we cared. Yeah. Last let's time dig in. I'll yeah, never care more about a, a thing in my life than I cared about the 97, 98 jets. Guess a number. Steve, you have any, any anecdotes you want to share about Johnny Mitchell? Listen, everyone, the Jets famously, you know, they had drafted a, a super uh, talented tight end, Johnny Mitchell, and then they didn't have, because of the Jets and they were cheap, they didn't have a position coach. So he, like, literally didn't go to meetings and he didn't learn anything. And he, like, ate his way out of the league. And Johnny Mitchell would have been Gronk, except, you know, the Jets didn't, you know, didn't really take care of him. So, yeah, I got Johnny Mitchell takes. Um, what is the total number of games, regular season and playoff, in Jets history that they've won by more than 31 points? By 31 I'm going to guess points? 19. Uh, do you have a guess? Uh, 14. Yeah, you guys have to be more confident. It's uh, 25. Okay. Well, you asked like it was an interesting question. All right, the Dolphins are the 30th best team in the NFL. Do you agree? No, I have the Dolphins 31. I have Washington 30. Because Washington okay. literally just won a game. All right, so, Who cares? Like, Power rankings have to be reactionary to the previous week. You know, you got to report uh, Not – I mean, not if a guy's out for the year. Like, if Aaron Rodgers out for the year, you can't leave the Packers where you're going to leave yeah. them. You got to – I mean, I, ha- I had Washington 31, and I had the Dolphins 30 last week. And Did you the- see that that the, the Packers backup, uh, Tim Boyle, mm-hmm. had had one touchdown and 13 interceptions at UConn and then transferred to, like, a DT school, D2 school and had more interceptions than touchdowns there? That's not like good. it's it's yeah. crazy. Like if Rodgers misses a play, they're they're hopeless. Yeah, well, that's been the case for a while in Green Bay. Yes. All right. Uh, number twenty nine uh, to me is the New York Giants. What about you? You can make a case for the Giants. Uh, I have the Lions at twenty nine. This is without Stafford. I think without oh, you Stafford all over the Lions all year. So you're yeah, but that yeah with with their best player. But now that he's injured and the backup is abominable, I yeah. think you I mean, know. Driscoll lose... hasn't been terrible. But... Okay. Well, then why they lose to Washington? Yeah. Well, that was the worst game. Um, all right. Uh, so you have, I have Detroit all the way up to 25. That, so. I mean, like, oh, on merit, like they, they've had better results than any of the teams below them. But, you know, as currently constituted, obviously they yeah. suck. All right. Uh, number 28, I have the Cardinals. What about you? I have the Cardinals at 25. I mean, these teams are all very interchangeable. Yeah. I, have, I have the Broncos 28, the Giants 27, the Jaguars 26, the Cardinals 25. All right. Well, well hold on. The Jaguars, I think you're way too low on. But um, – so I have Denver at 27. So that's basically – I have the Jets at 26. You have the Jets, what, at 14 now or something? Like I don't know, 24. I mean, the Jets are red hot. They, you know, the truth is – Hold on. So we J- have the exact same bottom uh, nine teams, just in a different order, I believe. Different order, yeah. Yeah. Well, so no, you don't have the Jaguars in the bottom nine, too. Well, I have Jacksonville 24. Okay, fine. I, they just looked um, so bad last week, and 
they I looked just, much better under Minshew. And I mean, basically, ever since the game in London, they've completely fallen apart. They brought Nick Foles back. No, you can't really blame Foles. It's their defense that's completely fallen. No, if you're a Jaguars fan and they don't really exist, but you could say like, hey, they beat the Jets like thirty to three, but you know that was against. Uh, yeah, and I mean, the thing is, Jacksonville's still in the playoff race. Technically, you know they're four and seven, and mm-hmm. eight and eight could make a wild card. Eight and eight could even technically. Win. I mean, the Jets are four and seven, and the Jets got the Bengals this week. Yeah, but I'd the Jets have the no Jets. avenue to win the division. Right, they have no, no avenue rather, to win the division. I'd rather be Jacksonville because they can win the division or the Yes, that is, that is true. And the Jets, the Jets aren't going to catch Buffalo. I mean, they'd no. have to win out, and Buffalo would have to lose out. Right. And, so, um, and so, yeah, so that's not happy. Uh, Detroit, uh, oh, excuse me, Atlanta, I have a 23. Yeah, that's where I have the Falcons, okay. too. Oh, yeah, so we have the same bottom nine. We have this is the next tier, though. The Falcons are a tiny tier up from the Jets. Well, I mean, the Falcons were a tiny tier up. So was Jacksonville and Tampa. Yeah, but still, like, but, if you're a football team, you're going in on Sunday, you're still saying, shoot, we got to play Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And well, all these uh, the last two weeks, but yeah. All right, um, 22, I have Pittsburgh. Yeah, I have the Steelers at 20. I, I know some people would definitely have them in the teens, but I think their quarterback situation is so dire right now. I mean, now. they're an underdog at home against Cleveland. That's surprising. Yeah, you could argue, yeah, you could argue at this point that uh, they so should be have a 22 lower. then. Uh, 22, I have the Bucks. 21, I have the Chargers. Yeah, so I had Tampa 24 last week. I moved them all the way up to 18, probably too high. I mean, it's a one probably game that James didn't have a bunch of picks, but, you know, you know yeah. that he'll do that the next day. So Didn't have a bunch. What did he have, two? Yeah, <laughs> but two is low for him. He has two every game. So yeah, two's the floor. two's his average. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, so I have, I have, I have uh, Pittsburgh 22. I have Oakland 21. The first win. Yeah, I have Oakland oh, 19. We're scored. probably both reacting a little bit too much to, like, you know, teams that are allowed to stinker if you're not an elite team, and I'm sure the Raiders are not going to lose by 40 to Kansas City this week. They had a bad day. You know, they, they were going to lose I, would, anyway, I wouldn't be so sure about that. You think they're going to lose by 30? I mean, the Chiefs haven't been I mean, they, they, they lost by they lost at home to Kansas City by 18. They lost to the yeah. Vikings by 20. They lost every time they played a good team. I mean, they went into Indian one. That was that was sort of the one that sort of shocked people. They yeah. lost to the Packers by eighteen. So they, it's I mean, embarrassing that they that they should be that they could be in the playoffs. The Raiders. They yeah, it's, it's sort of the Jets have the biggest win against them, uh, more than the Vikings or the Chiefs or yeah. So I guess the Jets are the real Super Bowl contenders here. Uh, yeah, but I, I think that the, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm not saying the Raiders are going to lose out, but there's no game that that is a that is a definite win. I mean, they're playing no, they the, have a tough the, schedule. Jacksonville's and the Chargers. They're playing all the teams that are basically like them. Mm-hmm. Mediocre AFC teams. Two of whom have to make the playoffs, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, all right. So 21, I have them. 20, I have Cleveland. Yeah, I think I'm a little higher on the Browns. I think rest of season, the Browns are friskier than any team we've mentioned. I have the Browns. Well, their schedule is very easy. The schedule is easy. Uh, and one of the reasons that they are have such a bad record that they're four and seven is because the schedule has been the opposite of easy so far. Wait, they're not four and seven. They're five and six, right? Yeah, they're five and six. Yeah. 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 No, on. the Browns are the Browns should their, be their like schedule 18, gets easier. That's true, but they got murdered. I mean, they lost by thirty at home to Tennessee in Week One. They they got beaten by San Francisco more than anyone else except for Carolina. And I guess I think uh, they, they rest rest of season they bear and their by the barest of margins. They looked awful uh, beating Luke Falk in Week Two. They looked awful beating the Bills at home a couple weeks ago. If you um if you had to uh, neutral site game Browns Raiders tomorrow, you're you're betting on the Browns, I assume. Well, I mean, like a pick'em. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, not with a ton of confidence. Well, look, I have Cleveland twenty and Oakland twenty-one, so that's why. Yeah. But yeah, with not a lot of confidence. All right, who's nineteen for you? And also, the truth is, like, the Browns are missing their best player. You know, we should really factor that into Miles Garrett. You mean? Yeah. Well, not I mean, the most important through, player, through, through no fault of anyone but himself. But yeah, oh yeah. I'm, but I'm saying, like, their you know their ceiling is a little lower. Like Miles Garrett yeah. is is unblockable and at times and they don't, just don't have a guy like that. Yeah. So similarly, uh, the bears, at least the bears, unlike every team we've mentioned so far, do something really well. Like at least their defense, well, not last year's defense is, you know, is still a nightmare to play against. 
Yeah, so I have the Bears at 19 as well. Mm-hmm. No, I have, uh, I have the Bears at 17. All right, okay. So then who's 19 for you? I have the Raiders at 19. Oh, okay. So then who's your 18? The Browns. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we're going in a circle. So I, I have Tampa Bay at 18. Yeah, I have the Tampa Bay at 22. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. All right. So 17, I have the Chargers. Yeah, and I have the Chargers at 21. <laughs> okay. But I agree. The Chargers, like, uh, the only oh, thing so is that Rivers. So we had the same bottom nine, and then yeah. we have the same next seven. Oh, it's, uh, these are, like, easy. These are easy. Like, so I'm surprised that we even have okay. this much difference. Okay, fine. All right. So number six. Can I say every team in this yeah. 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, uh, 12 yeah. range, interchangeable. The difference all right. between all of them is a half. So I want to try something that we did a couple weeks ago. It worked well. On the count of three, we're both going to say our 16th ranked team. Okay? Okay. Yeah. One, two, three. Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't say the same one, but we got it. <laughs> yeah. They're the yeah. league average team. The Panthers, they, they've been outscored by a bunch, but they like are sort of competent on both sides of the ball. No, they're not really competent on defense anymore. Well, surprisingly. well uh, this, this is the team that confused me because I was very impressed with their defense in the early part of the season. Right. Yeah. Um, they, they went into Houston and completely shut down to Sean Watson. They, um, they, you know, they, they had a number of good performances. They had, they had pretty close mm-hmm. games against like the Packers. But then they completely laid an egg against the Falcons. And people are like, okay, fine. Uh, maybe it's because the Falcons are good. But it turns out the Falcons aren't good. So I sort of washed my hands of them. And then they went into New Orleans and they could have should have won that game and lost on the last play of the game. So I don't know what, you know, they're spotting dimes. They're, oh, wait, what's the line about George? He's, what line? He's, horses, he's spotting dimes. Av, you're not here? I'm here. Yeah. Well, so you I'm don't know the Seinfeld line? Can someone fill me in? What was it? Sorry, I was spacing out. Yeah. What's the dimes line on Seinfeld? Yeah, you're spotting dimes. You're, you're, Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something like that. Yeah, whatever. The point is the Panthers roll. You're, spot- you're spotting dimes. You're eating onions or something like no, that. No, that's it. You're eating onions. You're spotting dimes. I don't know what. Yeah, so that's the Carolina Panthers right now. Kyle Allen okay. can throw four picks in a game or he can look competent. Their defense can look, can go into Houston and shut a team down or they can get lit up by, you know, I don't know, New Orleans. But listen, like, they beat, essentially beat the Saints last week. Like, that was the game. They outplayed them. You know, yeah. they win if not for their for their kicker, so – they win if not for giving up more points than they score. But other well, than that, okay. so, all right, but uh, the 16th, that's the league average team. All yeah, right, let's try I had them at 16 last week. They lost, but it was a good loss. So, but they couldn't move up because the teams ahead of them all, all won. Now, number 15, I have uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, same. All right, okay. So we got a lot. Now uh, you could argue the Eagles crushed the Bills, right? And the, I have the Bills at four. I have the Bills at 14. Yeah, but, but I think since then the Eagles have fallen off the. Off, the Eagles' off the offense. Course. Yeah, the Eagles' offense looks really bad. This is a make or break week. They got to go into Miami. They don't just got to get a win. They got to score 30 points. They got to give Car- they got Carson Wentz has to prove that he's not the next. Uh, I agree. Carson Wentz is seeing go- ghosts right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you love to pin that on someone else. All right. So I have, I have the Rams at 14, actually. Mm, it's a little too low. You're reacting a little too much to the Ravens game. Well, again, I, 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 Jared Goff to me has been worse this year than Mitch Trubisky. Jared Goff has what, like 16 turnovers? I'm not, I'm not disagreeing, but like the rest of their team is actually good. I mean, they, they lost to Pittsburgh. Yeah, they got murdered by Baltimore. I mean, look, look at who their wins were. Their wins were against. Do they have a win against a team that's ranked above them all year? Uh, yes, in week two they beat New Orleans in the game that uh, Breeze got injured. But other than that, all their wins are against teams that are worse. Remember than when Tari Gurley used to be good, and now he's like yeah. not even in the NFL anymore, really. Yeah, but this this is even old news from like like December of last year. So um, I, I so I have Buffalo. It's weird because Buffalo's eight and three. You have them fourteen. I have them thirteen. It just it's hard to move them any. You know. I have them one spot ahead of the Rams on a neutral field. Who would I pick? I'm not sure because the B- Buffalo's defense is elite, and Josh Allen can actually do things. Josh Allen is basically doing what Mitch Trubisky should be doing, and isn't for some reason. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, he's a much better runner than Mitch Trubisky, but 
Listen, Mitch Trubisky well, wasn't good in college. Like, Josh Allen at least showed something in college. Yeah, but Trubisky ran for 400 yards last year. Uh, so what spot do you have the Rams then? I have the Rams at 11, which I agree might oh, be high. But, high. like, yeah. I, you really think that, that the AFC South teams are better than the Rams? Like, I'm not so sure. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second. So, okay, so I have the Rams at 14. I have Buffalo at 13. I have Indy at 12. Indy's 6-5, and five, but it's a very yeah. misleading because if, if Adam Vinatieri didn't miss chip shots, they'd be 8-3. and three. I agree. I have Indy at 12, but I agree, you know, I mean, you can't really have them higher than 11, but they're not. I mean, DVOA doesn't love them, but I mean, you look at all their losses. So the week one loss to the Chargers, again, that in overtime, only because of the missed kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they lost the Raiders by a touchdown. They lost to Pittsburgh by two in a game also cost, cost them by their kicker. They lost mm-hmm. to Houston in Houston by three, and Houston's a pretty good team. And they lost to Miami, which is a bad loss, but they lost by four. And that was a game with Brian Hoyer, their third-string quarterback. I mean, you take mm-hmm. out the two Hoyer games, and they're six and three. Even, you know, and then, as I said, with their kicker, they could be eight and three. So I think that the Colts are a little better than their schedule, even though I understand that DVA really hates them. Mm-hmm. I have them at 12. I have Tennessee at 11. You know, you yeah. can I'm say – We're in the same part. I have, I have the Bills, Titans, Colts, Rams, 14 through 11. So we're all within one of each other, basically. I mean, Tennessee, they've looked really good the last few weeks with Tannehill, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. week one with Tannehill was bad. That was the game, I think, in Denver that they lost. Or was that the game? Did Tannehill come in off the bench in that it's, game? It's crazy because someone was going to give Mariota a second chance, and now Tannehill's been so much better than Mariota. I almost think, like, Mariota's a backup next year for sure. Okay, so, uh, Akiva, I think that takes us into the top ten, right? Yeah, and to me, there's, like, a tier below the top tier that's ten and nine. And what are those two teams for you? The, the Texans and the Cowboys. Yeah, Agreed. I have Dallas yeah. 10, Houston They're They're nine. clearly better than the Titans, and I'm not much better, but they're like, you know, you have to rank them above. Yeah. Uh, but they and, – and the Cowboys in particular, let's see what the Texans do this week, but, like, the Cowboys in particular, uh, you know, they play with the close teams. Like, they don't get blown out by anybody. They do yeah, – I mean, I have Houston – I'm actually looking. I've had Houston in the top 10 the entire season. Um, their current ranking – Oh no! I had them drop to eleven once. But well, it's because there's it's because there's three good teams in the AFC and five good teams in the NFC. Well, but my I think my point is the I, had best the rest. Number, I had them as high as number five earlier in the season. I think the point I'm mm-hmm. trying to make is that with JJ Watt, they were in that upper tier. But I think losing Watt really hurts their defense. I mean, they've suffered from other injuries also. They're, they're not a deep team because of all these trades they made. They're sort of like the Rams of the of the AFC a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're like they're very stars and scrubs that are dependent on, on on specific guys to come through. So I have them at nine right now. But, yeah, I definitely have him a class below. You know, earlier in the season, I had him up at, like, five or six or seven, and I don't have him there right now. Um, mm-hmm. There's, you know, beating the Colts, struggling to beat the Colts at home, which is a good, is a good outcome for them. But earlier in the season, I think we would have expected more from them in that game. Yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah. So I the, mean, they, the they, Texas... got, they got absolutely murdered the week before in Baltimore in a game we thought was – Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, because they just got killed by Baltimore, they have to show life. And they don't have to beat New England, but they have to play a one-score game against New England. Yeah, and yeah, it's a little bit unfair because everybody's getting murdered by uh, Baltimore at the moment. The so. Texans, I don't think would make the playoffs. I mean, I guess if they were in the, uh, the AFC – excuse me, if they were in the they NFC East, East, they would. Like, it would saying. be them and the Cowboys. But, yeah, they yeah. would not make the playoffs otherwise. Uh, so, yeah, the Cowboys, nine. Uh, at eight, I have the Packers. So, I have Kansas City at eight. I moved Kansas City all the way up to five. I just think their ceiling is a lot higher than than the Packers, and uh, maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe it's too much reliant on, too reliant on last year. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Chiefs started at four and zero. But and by the way, even that they beat Detroit by four. They beat Baltimore by five. Like they weren't exactly blowing teams out. But then yeah, since, but no, they beat Baltimore. That's you know the only team to do yeah, that. But since then, they, but since then they've gone three and four. And Mahomes played in four of those games. Mahomes lost. They lost to India at home with Mahomes. 19-13. That was a really bad game. They lost to Houston also at home. They lost the Packers. That was with Moore. They, they should have lost the Vikings. They got lucky. I mean, their only wins really in the last 
seven weeks. Or they got a very lucky win against the Vikings with missed kicks. They beat Denver, which is completely unimpressive. And then they beat the Chargers. Yeah, but you look. But then, like big picture, they have wins over Minnesota and Baltimore, like those which are which are also you know tier. Yeah, but you know, again, the Minnesota game was you know. All right, they beat them. They like you know. All right, I have Kansas City at eight. I I mean, look, the Packers also beat Minnesota. So yeah, Um, Minnesota sucks. Yeah, Yeah, I I have the Packers at seven. All right, so I I assume we both have the Vikings at six. Yeah, well, I have the Seahawks at seven, the Vikings at six, and the Chiefs. You have the Vikings ahead of Seattle. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean Seattle's uh, Seattle's win differential point differential yeah. is basically zero. Yeah, they win every game. Yeah, I mean they win every game. What they, they beat the Eagles by eight. I think that's their biggest one of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go backwards. They beat San Francisco by three. Beat Ta- in overtime. They beat Sa- Tampa by six in overtime. They beat Atlanta by seven. They beat the Browns by four. They beat the Rams by one. Oh no, they beat Arizona. They killed Arizona earlier this season. But they have one win by more than one score the entire year. Yeah. So yeah, they're. And, and look, their schedule is really tough. They're playing the Vikings. They're playing the Rams, which, you know, they, they won a one-point game before, but this one's in mm-hmm. LA. And then they're playing San Francisco in Week 17. So we'll, we'll see who they are, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I have them one spot ahead of the Vikings. Well, look, I guess we'll know a lot from this game after Monday night. Yes. So, all right. So you These have, teams are very close, I think. Yeah. So you have – who do you have at five? You have Kansas City at five then. Kansas City at five, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I have Kansas – okay. So we have the same teams five to eight in a slightly different order. Yeah. And we so really we're both in the same top four. Uh, I assume New Orleans is number four for you. Yeah, New Orleans, San Francisco, New England, Baltimore. Okay, so we have the same top four in the same order. Yeah, I have the uh, same top four too. In case anyone was wondering, did you yeah, make okay. the a power rings of? I did in in like thirty seconds. Oh, okay. well, you Wait, be contributing. Oh, let's play a game, all three of you. Okay, we yeah. did this last year earlier in the year, but let's try it now. Oh, the Super Bowl teams. Yes. Okay. Um, Av, would you, if we offered you ten teams, would you? You pick any ten teams, and they win the Super Bowl. You it's an that, right? uh, it's an auction. Do you know how this works? It's an, I think it's an Herald event this game. So, so basically, I, I, I just picked. It. So basically, I picked the Patriots and nine NFC teams. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have the Ravens, sure. Oh, so you don't, yeah, you crazy. don't have the Ravens. That's an interesting move by you. But all right, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna raise that ten, which I guess is Ob's opening bid that Akiva gave him. I'll say seven. Okay, I go to six. Um, all right, I go to five. Now it's tricky. Av, do you want to go to four before me? Um, I will. I'll go to four. I don't think you're going to go to three. Yeah, I mean, if you go to so you're going to four, you're abandoning the Chiefs. I mean, you're ba- yeah. I mean, you're abandoning the Vikings and the Packers. I assume. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, I th- you're abandoning. I mean, that that's four is tough. I'm going to give you four. Four is tough. Well, I'm definitely going to have the AFC Super Bowl team. I think. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be there. So I, I'm going to take the Ravens and the Patriots. Yeah. And then I think you take San Francisco and New Orleans. I think I so think you get. Four. I think you just take the top four. If I had a fifth team, yeah, but you don't. I so, so you're doing that. You're giving me Seattle, um, Green Bay, Kansas City, Minnesota, Houston. Yeah, I mean, I, I like your teams a lot more than I like my. Yeah, team. yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you listen. You have, do you have a chance to have a team in the Super Bowl? Yes, because you have the Chiefs, and you have the, the thing is, if I had a fifth team, I would take the Chiefs, and then if I had a sixth team, yeah. I think I would. T- but if I had a six team, I would not take the Vikings. Sorry, I would, I would take, take Seattle. I, I would take Seattle six, and I think a tie between between. And you could even make an argument for the Texans because they're yeah, not really. I mean, a, a big a big judgment of who's going to come out of the NFC. I really think is where the game is going to be played. Yeah, right? I agree, and we don't know Seattle, it all Seattle yet. Seattle and Minnesota and Green Bay and San Francisco. Those four teams, any of them could be one, two, five, or six. Yeah, and there's a huge difference there. And New Orleans also could be one, two, or three. I guess. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, people I see in the in the patron group are copying are copying and pasting things that I read on the podcast today. So, was that good? I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, about Turkey that we talked about how Israel Israelis eat a ton of turkey. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, let's do very quick picks because we already this right. is a this is a double episode. We're doing. no, we already we picked it. We picked in the patron episode, didn't we? Did we pick every game? Yeah, I think so. Really? Uh, sure? Did we? I don't know. All right. So who who do you give me some winners and losers quickly? Oh, uh, maybe we did. I don't remember now. Yeah, neither do I actually. I think we didn't. I don't so think we'll, we'll, you didn't write them we'll, down. We picked against the spread. We didn't pick straight winners and losers. All right, Chicago at Detroit. Just give me a winner. I just asked in the WhatsApp group if we did, if you guys did it. Yeah, it's <laughs> Chicago. Um. Yeah, I, I guess I have to. Uh, Buffalo at Dallas. Um, I, what did I do? I best bet Dallas at uh, Buffalo at plus seven here, but I'm taking Dallas to win. Okay. Yeah, me too. Uh, New Orleans at Atlanta. New Orleans. Yeah, I'm taking Atlanta. I think they're going to sweep them. Okay. Um, I, you know, you were talking about a bowl game. I mean, I think this is the rival. This is the team they really hate. Uh, Jets at Cincinnati. I've already said I'm taking Cincinnati. I'll take the Jets. Okay. Uh, that's fair. Uh, Tennessee at Indy. Indy. All right. Uh, Philly at Miami. We're both taking the Eagles. Packers yeah. at Giants, we're taking the Packers. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. This is a tough one. Yeah, this is, I'm going to go with Cleveland. I mean, I, I don't believe in, in Devin Hodges. Yeah, I, I really don't like that move. Mason Rudolph hasn't been great, but he's been competent. And I, it is, I, I, I can't help but think that Tomlin's making this decision partly because he's afraid of the reaction of the Browns to, to Mason Rudolph, which is the wrong reason to be making a pick. Mm-hmm. But I guess he doesn't want his quarterback, quarterback murdered on his watch. I'm going to pick Pittsburgh. I think, you know, the, the loser of this game is, is if Pittsburgh loses this game, their season's over because they're yeah. swept by Cleveland. The, yeah, it is, is a true loser leave town match. No, because Cleveland can lose and still make the playoffs. Oh, boy. What, the AFC should just be canceled at that point. Yeah. All right. Washington, Carolina, we're both taking Carolina. Tampa, mm-hmm. Jacksonville. This is a good game. I mean, that is a good game. But it's entertaining. I'll take Jacksonville, actually. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco, Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore, as uh, Michael says. Rams at Arizona. Boy, the Rams really did not show anything on, on Monday night. I'm going to take the Cardinals. You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to take the Rams, but I don't feel great about it. Um, I mean, they, they, Jerry Goff just seems... Yeah, you're enough. putting the opposite of $100 million on this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chargers at Denver. There's another... T- there's a lot of... These yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers. I think the Chargers are going to make a run right now. A run to what? Denver, to Denver's Denver. toast. Denver's toast. By the way... I, I watched the first couple of episodes of Succession with my wife, which now means I'm trapped forever to never watch episode three and, and further. Yeah. But I, I think there are real succession overtones in the Denver front office. Like they're, they're like they had the 29 year old Brittany Bolin going mm-hmm. to work okay. um, for uh, you're not allowed to say she's anything. Shiv. What? She's Shiv. Shiv. Yeah, yeah. She's like go, going to work for the first time now. And, um, and it's just, you know, like as they groom her to be the new owner. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I think I'm going to agree with you on the Chargers, actually. Um, all right, Oakland at KC. We're both taking KC. New England at Houston. Yeah. Are we both taking New England? Or are you New England. Yeah, absolutely. New England. All right, in Minnesota at Seattle. I'm taking Seattle. I'll take the home team, but with no degree yeah. of confidence. All right, okay. So we made those picks. All right, let's talk about uh, the Irishman. Or actually, let's not talk about the Irishman because nobody's seen it yet. But, Av, ah, have you uh-huh. seen the Irishman? I have not seen the Irishman. I'm waiting to watch it tomorrow night on Netflix. Oh, okay. Um, I thought maybe uh, the, the podcasters on Netflix password gives it to a day early. Um, all right, so let's talk about. Uh, so what? This is what we did for the Martin Scorsese movies. Wait, went, hold on, hold on. Yeah? Are you trying? To well, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Keep leaving. Well, I said this was the plan that I was leaving. I, I okay. haven't seen enough of the movies to to have a take. Are right. you offended? I'm not offended, but I think the listeners want you to stay. 
Yeah. Uh, fine, but I'll be like Av on the on 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 the football part. I'm just gonna listen. Uh, it's like a live podcast for me. You could you could chime in with jokes. Mm-hmm. Did right, you tomorrow- chime in with jokes? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't hear him yet. All right, so Martin Scorsese has made uh, 25 feature films over the last 52 years. Av, how many of those have you seen? Uh, I have seen 24 of them. Uh, oh. The only one I've not seen is The Irish wow. coming at, out tomorrow. At, now, how many of them had you seen when I sent you this chart like a month ago, whatever it was? Um, I had seen, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 13. Wow. So you saw 12 Scorsese movies or 11 Scorsese movies in the last couple of weeks. And, and most of them are probably his earliest work, you know, the movies that aren't that well known, Boxcar Bertha and whatnot. So I applaud your commitment. Um, I have a cumulative ranking from IMDb, Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, and a variety of other sources across the internet. Some of them are just probably random dudes who have a blog. But I've, I've accumulated those all. And I'm, I have the cumulative ranking. So I'm going to go through that. And then Av, you're going to tell me where you rank these movies and sort of what a cumulative fit for the NFL. All right. All right. Let's do it. All right, so the worst Scorsese movie collectively, in the opinion of um, the, uh, the internet, is Boxcar Bertha. Tell us about Boxcar Bertha, because I have never heard of it. Yeah, Boxcar Bertha is his second movie. It's, it's basically like a poor man's Bonnie and Clyde. It's about this pair of uh, a woman and a man, a woman's name Boxcar Bertha is her nickname, and this guy, Big Bill, and they rob trains, and then they go on the run together and fall in love. Um, and it's, you know, it's okay. You know, it's pretty good for like, an old 60s, 70s movie, but, you know, nowhere close to uh, some of his better stuff. Um, I, you know, in general, I think the, the main takeaway that I had from this experience of watching like the 11 lesser known Scorsese movies is that there's very few hidden gems in there and that most of them are not well known for a reason. Okay. So where do you have it ranked? I have it ranked 21. 21. Oh, so you like it more. So what, what is your last movie? Uh, my, my lowest ranked movie is New York, New York, which I completely hated. Um, it's a, you know, it's, it'll be a common theme in some of these that the mo- his movies are about an hour too long, but this one was by far the most notable in that regard. There's just so very long stretches where I was just bored to tears. Um, it's probably De Niro's only role in a Scorsese movie with, that I just found completely unconvincing and where he just didn't seem right for the role. Um, the, the, the one thing that I did like about seeing New York, New York is that I've gone through my entire life thinking that New York, New York, the song was written by Frank Sinatra. I knew that there was a Liza Minnelli version, but I did not know that she recorded the original and that Sinatra was a cover. Uh, even more so, I didn't know that she wrote it for this movie. So that was an interesting thing to learn, but uh, the movie is just really not good at all. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that either. Um, now, three people actually have it in their top 10. What is New York, New York about? Um, so De Niro and Liza Minnelli basically play this couple that they're both musicians and they have like a career together and they fall in love and they fall out of love and kind of their careers go up and down through the tra- trajectory of their I mean, lives together. It sounds together. almost both in title and in the way you're describing it. It almost sounds like, like a Woody Allen movie. Um, well, there, there is a Woody Allen movie called New York Stories that I think yeah. Scorsese collaborated on him with. So Wasn't the, yeah, they, they did, there was three people each did, three directors each did a third of it or something? Yeah, something like that. It's kind of, it's kind of similar to like Four Rooms. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this, this, this movie I just really found not appealing at all. Okay, all right. Uh, number 23, okay, so 24 on the cumulative ranking is his very first movie, Who's That Knocking at My Door? Yeah. Um, so Who's That Knocking at My Door is it's kind of like a, a rough draft of a movie. Um, there's like some interesting things in there and you could see a lot of the things that Scorsese would become really good at over the years. But, um, you know, there's just 
a lot of stuff. It's just like a lot. It's like very rough at times. Um, but like it uses music in a very interesting way, which Scorsese is is legendarily known for really pioneering that, you know, using pop music and kind of choreographing it to the to the scenes. Um, you know, it's a focus on like Catholicism and sex and trauma um, themes that you would explore a lot, but it's just kind of not fully formed. But you could see where like some of the greatness is going to come one day. Now, would you recommend that somebody watch it or not really? Um, I would skip, uh, you know, I, I would say like... And where do you have it ranked again? Sorry. I have that 23, just like your consensus list. So, okay. uh, you know, everything kind of like in just like bottom five is, are things that like I would say, you know, don't bother with. All right. So, so what do you have at 24 then? 24, I have New York, New York, which we just talked about. So I have New York, oh, New York. Oh, 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 you're doing, oh, you don't have the Irishman in your rankings. Correct. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I haven't seen right, it. So, it hasn't so come New York, New York at 24. So I have the Irishman in the rankings, although it was an asterisk, obviously, but because uh, only a few people have seen it. But um, all right. So New York, New York is, is uh, 22 on the cumulative. Um, Kundun is 23, which we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, Kundun I just watched uh, this morning, actually, while I was waiting for the Optimum Cable Guy to come to my house, and he never came. Um, uh, Kundun is, this, is the story of the current Dalai Lama. Um, it kind of explores the geopolitical issues between China and Tibet. Um, it's, you know, it's fine. It's, again, too long. Uh, it looks nice. Um, it has, like, some spiritual messages to it. Why do people it, hate uh, it, though? Among his movies, you know, from the 90s and beyond, it's by far the lowest ranked. Yeah, honestly, I think probably most people just, like, haven't seen it. Um, and it's, like, it's just kind of, like, slow, and it's about, you know, it's not, it's not a Scorsese movie the way you would normally think of it. It doesn't have, like, those, like, visual flourishes. It's not about, you know, interesting mobsters. It doesn't take place in New York City. Um, it's just kind of very, very different than everything else he's done, pretty much. So I think it kind of just is not what you would expect. But, you know, it's a decent movie. If you're interested in the Dalai Lama or, like, China and Tibet, you know, I think there's some stuff that's worthwhile. But it's Do you think certainly your not something... podcast co-host Sammy Chester has seen it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I would guess he probably has not since I think most people just like haven't seen it. Uh, most people probably have never even heard of it. I remember um, when it, it came out, actually. I guess I would have been about 14 years old. I'm not sure why I remember, but I do remember it coming out. But obviously I didn't see it. Um, all right. Yeah. So where do you have Kundun ranked? I have that number 17. Oh, 17. Okay. So you're a little bit higher on it. All right. So what's your 22 then? My 22 is Boxcar Bertha. Yeah. Oh. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, so we got your bottom three. Okay. So then what's your 21? My number 21 is a movie that I know a lot of people love. It's a recent one, Shutter Island. Um, I absolutely hated this movie when I saw it. Um, I've been meaning to see it again at some point just because my experience is very different than a lot of people's, although I guess it's not very high on, on your list either. It's, you have it at 18 on the consensus rankings. Yeah, so um, the, the consensus ranking has it 19, but I will note that IMDb has it number seven. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of people really love it. Um, there's like a big twist in the end of this movie that I figured out from the trailer. So, you know, that's usually not a good sign, but you know, some people say, you know, it's not about that. It's about like the psychological tumult that he goes through during the course of the movie. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio is very good in it as he always is. Um, but I, I just, you know, I wasn't, I didn't feel emotionally connected to him or any other characters. Um, and again, like, you know, sometimes like when, when a movie is, has like a twist on it and you, anticipate it then you kind of just like takes you out of the whole movie because like you're just yeah. like waiting for the characters to figure out what you've known for two hours yeah now number 21 on the cumulative list is from 1986 the color of money the color of money so color of money is a now, by sequel. Rotten tomatoes very high on this movie number seven but everyone else hates yeah. it yeah the color of money was pretty fun it, it had it had some good aspects to it so it 
interesting things about the color money. First of all, it's a sequel to the hustler. So obviously I, I had the color money on this list. I didn't even realize that. So I had to go watch the hustler first. It's very like, weird. Isn't it for a different director to make a yeah. sequel like much, much later, like very interesting. Yeah. Very strange. And one, one other just like weird connection is that Jake LaMotta, the, the actual real life boxer has a cameo in the hustler. So just like a random Scorsese connection there, obviously Jake LaMotta is the subject of raging bull. So basically the color of money picks up 25 years later after the hustler, uh, where Paul Newman is now an older, more experienced hustler. And he takes a young Tom Cruise under his wing. Um, Tom Cruise is like incredible in this movie. He's just like, it's just like a, typical charismatic physical performance from Cruz, just like full of energy and bravado. Um, some of the pool scenes are very fun and they kind of have just like this good energy between the two of them. Um, but like the movie itself, like the story kind of just meanders a little bit. Um, so, you know, it's not a movie that I loved, but you know, I enjoyed it enough and it was, it was fun to see the two back to back. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So would you recommend people see The Color Money if they don't also see The Hustler first? Yeah, you could still see it. Um, basically, all you need to know is that Paul Newman used to be a hustler the way that Tom Cruise is in this movie. And, you know, you're good to go. Okay. And where do you have it ranked? I have it number 16. 16. Okay. Does it reach, um, like, do you have sort of cutoffs, like, you know, movies you should ignore, movies you should consider? Like, what would you consider this one? Um, I would say it's like worth seeing, uh, but definitely not a must. Uh, it's kind of like middle of the pack. I would say like his top like five or six are like classics and then like the next 10 or so are like good movies. And then right around there is where it starts to dip into things that are, you know, you can easily ignore. All right. Coming in at number 20, it's from 1999. Another movie that I, that I remember, but I don't, uh, you know, know anything about it really. Uh, I will note that, uh, MTV, this MTV, uh, MTV ranked the movies. They have it number three. That's bringing wow. out the dead. Yeah, um, that, that shocks me that anyone would have it this high. They have um, it higher than Goodfellas, higher than Raging Bull. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, that's not a serious ranking. Um, yeah. There's nothing like horribly wrong with this movie. I thought it was fine. I have it ranked 19, which I think is the same as you because I'm not counting the Irishman. Yeah. So I think we both have it in the same slot. Um, Nicholas Cage plays this paramedic who has like these like weird interactions with dying and dead people, you know, as he just like goes around New York City in his uh, ambulance. Um, New York City kind of like is this like purgatory and like the space between being asleep and being awake, being alive and being dead. You know, it, it, there's again, classic Scorsese themes, classic portrayal of New York City. Um, but just like, again, the movie just like doesn't bring that much to the table um, where like, you know, it, it's a perfectly fine movie. I'm shocked to hear that someone would rank it that high. Yeah. Um, well, I can't speak to MTV, but all right. Number 18 is the first movie that I've actually seen on this list. Oh, wow. Cape Fear. Cape Fear. Uh, did you see Cape Fear or did you see the Simpsons version, Cape Fear with an E at the end? <laughs> I saw that. I think I saw the Simpsons one first, actually. Yeah, me too. See. Now, Akiva, yeah. do, have you seen Cape Fear? No. Akiva Awake. I'm not, I'm not familiar with it. Tell me about it. It's, it's Matt Damon and, and, uh, and uh, Robert De Niro. No, never seen it. Matt Damon, isn't it? I mean, not, not Matt Damon, excuse me. It's um, um, who plays the, the boyfriend? I don't remember. Is it for Matt? Should be in King of the Mets. Wait, am I mixing up Cape Fear with something else? Oh, this would be embarrassing. Oh, wow. I have not seen Cape Fear. Totally. Wait, so what movie <laughs> am I thinking of? Cape Fear has was Nick Nolte was the main guy. Yeah, who am I thinking of? Uh, Matt Damon plays the boyfriend, and Robert De Niro's like the dad, and he gets a tattoo. Uh, like he gives himself a tattoo. Are you thinking of a shark tale? Matt, uh, Robert De Niro was in that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, there was a movie in, like, the early 90s. It takes place in, like, some, in, like, along the ocean somewhere i think that's why it's where, where where matt damon plays a, a boyfriend 
and he gets really creepy and he like tattoos like the girl's name into his chest with like a with like a with like a with like a box cutter and robert dinner plays the dad i think am i making up a movie here i'm looking maybe it's not matt damon or robert de niro well that's gonna be hard for me to find then yes uh i don't see any movies in the early 90s that matt damon and robert de niro were both in so i have no idea what you're talking about are you thinking of the talented mr ripley matt damon was in that no and he plays uh, a weird a weird guy uh, it's like a sort of a horror movie this is driving me nuts and i gotta google it i'm trying to all right if anybody knows what i'm talking about it's it's definitely a movie you've heard of i thought it was called cape something but obviously not cape canaveral no all right this is a swing and the miss by me all right so i've not seen cape fear yeah um all right yeah well um Robert De Niro basically plays like this psycho that stalks Nick Nolte and the, the Simpsons episode is like literally like a shot for shot remake other than the scene with the rakes that was not in the original Cape Fear. Yeah, which, uh, is the, which is the most iconic scene I think from the Simpsons. It really might be. And if, I don't know if you've ever Wait, seen- Wait, so Cape uh, Fear like they go down a river on a boat and stuff? And not, not to that extent, but the, oh, okay. the, ba- <laughs> the, the, base, the basic outline of, yeah, he doesn't sing the uh, HMS Pinafore. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Chief Wiggums doesn't say Baker Boy toys at the end. Um, but yeah, no, the, the basic, uh, sketch of it is basically the same. The rake scene, I don't know if you know this, they basically added that in to hit a time, uh, amount that they needed. Like they needed like like, 30 seconds of the episode. So they're just like, Oh, let's have them stand on like 20 more rakes. Um, but yeah, Robert De Niro is like crazy in this movie. It's probably like the one movie where the movie itself is not that great, but like De Niro's performance just like is so incredible in this movie that it, it almost redeems the movie into like the upper half of Scorsese in my opinion. But like without that, it's kind of like a, 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 a pretty weak movie. So where do you have it? I have it number 14. Uh, 14. Right, by the way, I'm trying to figure out what movie I'm talking about. Now, I'm, so I'm thinking of actors from that generation. It wasn't Matt Damon. Um, it wasn't Edward Norton. He was in Primal Fear, which is another great movie, obviously. Um, you've seen Primal Fear, right? Yeah, of course. Yes, obviously. Uh, Akiva, have you seen Primal Fear? No, I have not. Uh, if a movie came out in the late 90s, I thought that was uh, you were I did. It was like the one movie that I just never – we like rented a few times, and I just we just we it was the one we never watched. It Isn't is true. Edward I've Norton's seen... very first film? I think it is. It's like his big time – yeah, I, I've seen a lot of – truth is I've seen parts of it on cable, but I've never seen the whole thing. All right. Um, I'm still trying to think of this movie. There's a Robert, movie De Niro, where... Robert De Niro was in a movie with Ed Norton called The Score. But that was like in 2000. Mm, no, I, the, the movie I, I'm I, talking about, the movie I'm talking about, the kid, the, the kid plays a teenager. It's a teenager who's dating. The, the, the most famous actors are the teenage boyfriend and then the dad. And the teenage boyfriend becomes really creepy. I just remember, I vividly remember the scene where he's looking in the mirror as he tattoos with a box cutter her name across his chest. It just cuts into his skin. Are you thinking of Meet the Parents? <laughs> <laughs> that has Robert De Niro in it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's closer than any other guy so far, which is an indictment of me and my ability to remember movies. But uh, I'm really taking this podcast off the rails. I hope there's no like serious Scorsese people listening on the like, rose to this point right now. All right, number 17 on the list is a movie that is the first movie that I've seen. I can confirm now that I've seen this movie. I love this movie. Uh, when I did my movies of the decade in the previous decade, I had it on the list, so I'm disappointed it's this low. That's Gangs of New York. To defeat my enemy, I extinguish his life and consume him as I consume these flames in honor of Priest Fallon. Call Priest Fallon! 
Yeah, Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York is very good. Um, it's I, very long. That's true. It's very long. Um, and what, what I found a little bit frustrating about the movie is I actually just saw this recently for the first time. I hadn't seen it until like a year or two ago. Um, okay. And yeah, I, I kind right. of just like expected the movie to be very different than it was. Like there's that opening scene where like all the ga- different gangs come out. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like it's going to be about like all these different gangs. And then it really just kind of like puts that aside for most of the movie. It just like focuses on DiCaprio versus Daniel Day-Lewis, Bill DeBusher, yeah. um, which like to me was just like a lot less, lot less interesting. Like the opening of it like reminded me of uh, The Warriors, which is like this 19, late 1970s like cult movie um, about like all these different rival gangs. And like they all have like different getups and different costumes. And it's just like a lot of fun. Um, the Gangs of New York is like obviously like a lot more epic than that and it has like a lot of great parts and obviously Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing and obviously DiCaprio is amazing and it really portrays a, a, a version of New York City that like you never really see in movies and you don't even really think about that version ever existing where like it wasn't an urban area um, it also did like a really good job of like showing that we in our minds like we split the country up into the north and the south around the civil war but like yeah. ignoring the fact that like there were obviously like significant portions of people yeah. in the north that were pro-slavery well yeah there were massive riots in new york city because of the draft for the exact reason you said it's like well i don't want to go fight to like free black people because i'm super racist was the yeah attitude. like yeah and like we forget that it's like even like, also, now, all the rich people weren't actually serving because they would just pay you know poor people to go you know so you know so yeah like even now like when we talk about like blue states and red states it's like the blue states blue still states. have like f- have like 40 percent like yeah. Republicans and red states still have like 40% Democrats. So there's always still like these huge swaths of people. Well, but now agree. people are much more self-segregated, but it's more, it's more urban versus rural. Correct. Yeah. Urban. But it was, that was just like really interesting to see. Um, and it, you know, it ha- there's some incredible scenes in this movie. Um, the final montage of where like it shows like new, like a time lapse of New York city was like pretty on the nose, but worked for me because I loved it and I love New York city. So um, if you know, if you're not if you're not in for a, a New York City love fest, you're probably not going to love the ending of that movie. Yeah, I mean, if you love Daniel Day Lewis, obviously, uh, then that's you know one of the big perks. All right, yeah. So I, I've always thought the Gaze in New York is a little bit underrated, and and I think I'm confirmed by the fact that it's all the way down at 17 here. Uh, where do you have it ranked up? I have it 12. 12. Now I will note, I'm looking at all these cumulative rankers. Nobody has it um, in the top eight, which is where I would put it. So. Um, yeah, I mean, and part of that is just his top eight to 10 movies are really strong. So, you know, regional lines could differ about like whether it's in the top eight or the top 10 or the top 12, and it's not necessarily a knock on the movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, So what is your, uh, we skipped number 18 on your list. What's number 18 on your list? Number 18 on my list was The Age of Innocence. Um, And that's 14 overall. So not not too far off. Yeah. Now, loves this movie. They have it number four all time. Yeah, so... The Age of Innocence is like a very good version of what it is, which is like this, you know, 1800s aristocratic portrayal of like high society in New York City. Um, And like that type of movie is just like not my cup of tea. Like I couldn't bear watching Downton Abbey or The Crown. Um, It's just like not my thing. So like I think that's probably why I was a little bit lower on it. But for what it is, it's like a very good version of that. Like, you know, it's Scorsese. So like every detail is done, you know, to the nines and just like really captures like the the pageantry and the banter of high society. But for me, like a lot of that was just like painfully boring to watch. So it's just not my thing. Daniel Day-Lewis, of course, again, is, is wonderful. Um, yep. Winona Ryder and Michelle Pfeiffer are both very good. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's very good for what it is. But if, if that's not your thing, then I wouldn't bother with it. If you like that sort of stuff, then I would recommend it. It's the only Daniel Day-Lewis, Daniel Day-Lewis movie I haven't seen. Oh, wow. And he's not in like that many movies. So it's, I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen it. So Yeah, I you should not, check it out because you like these period pieces. 
I'm going to highlight it as a movie that I need to see. So, um, so that's number 18. for. It's, a, it's, the, it's the Edith Wharton. I think we read that in high school. I don't remember, but it sounds yeah. like I mean, we, we, were, we were assigned it in high school. I'm yeah, not so that's a more accurate description of, of what actually happened. All right, number, number 16 on the, ov- or on the overall list is Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, another movie from the early 70s. Yeah, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, I think is the only movie of his that features a woman as the main character. Um, it's basically about this woman, her, her husband dies and she like goes on the road with her son to go to California where she's like going to hope to like make it as a singer and pursue her dreams. Um, she just like continually finds herself trapped by the men around her who are kind of like holding her back from achieving, you know, her passions. Um, you know, it's fine. Uh, it's definitely not one that, you know, I would say like anyone needs to see. Um, I think I have it ranked number 20. So I'm, I was pretty down on it relative 20 on your list. Sorry. Okay. What, um, does, is there a single Scorsese movie that passes the Bechdel test? Um, I mean, probably. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, Alice doesn't live anymore. I would assume does. I can't think of a scene offhand, but yeah, it you know, there's a female in the lead, so I assume she probably has a conversation somewhere with somebody. <laughs> Throw a box um, for birthday. Is there? Let's see. Is there? Is there a site that says like here is a list of movies that pass the Bechdel test? I, th- I think there is. Yeah. All right, uh, so number 15 on the list, uh, the, uh, the only one that we haven't mentioned yet that's in the bottom uh, 12 on the overall list is another recent movie, or I guess it's 15 years old by now, but it's a movie that I vividly remember when it came out, and I remember not being that interested in it, The Aviator. So where do you have The Aviator? The Aviator, I have ranked number 11. Um, I really like The Aviator. I saw it a few years ago. Um, it's the production design in this movie is just like off the charts. Like there's just like all of these scenes from like old New York and old Hollywood, um, the flying scenes. Like it's about, it's about Howard Hughes and um, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Blanchett plays, Kate uh, Blanchett plays Catherine Hepburn, which I believe is the only actor who has ever won an Academy Award for portraying another Academy Award winner. So just some like random piece of trivia there. Um, but like, I, I found it to be just like this, like really strong epic. He's like really delves into Howard Hughes, paints him in like in a very complicated light, um, shows like all of his contributions and all of his, you know, misgivings. Um, DiCaprio was like phenomenal, phenomenal in this. So um, would you recommend this as like a must watch or? Yeah, I think it's really good. I think, you know, almost everyone would get something out of it. But, it, you know, it is long. It's probably like two and a half hours. But, like, that's all his movies. All right. Okay. So let's get to we're, – we're almost breaking the, uh, into the top half. The last movie in the bottom half, or I guess it's his – if we're including The Irishman, we got 25. So this is 13. So this is the replacement level movie of Martin Scorsese is Hugo, which is very different than his other movies. Yes, very different. It's, uh, yeah. it's basically a kid's movie. And, like, one of the things that, like, really goes to Scorsese's credit is that, like – he dips into lots of different genres, but like his like stylistic flourishes still appear. And Hugo, I think he does a great job of that. He just like, he brings Paris to life in a way that like, with this like magic that I haven't really seen in other movies. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, I think plays the, like a train conductor there, a train guard in a, in a train station. He's like yeah. really, really compelling and funny. Um, and it's just like really, I don't, for, if, you, if you watch all the way to the end, it becomes like this really genuine celebration of like cinema and nostalgia and like how films were made in the old days. And I found it to be really moving. I really enjoyed it. I don't remember now. What age would you say it's for? Because I'm at that age now where, like, when I see a kid's movie, I'm thinking about how it's going to work with my kids. Um, I think like a you know six to eight year old could probably watch it. I don't know that they'll get everything, but I'm I'm usually pretty aggressive about that sort of stuff. Like, I just watched Star Wars with my daughter last week, and she really liked it, even though like 
I, I looked at one of those sites and it like it said like not recommended if you're like mm -hmm. under nine. Yeah. But I think I think those sites tend to be like very conservative with like yeah. what you're what you should show to kids. So I would say you know any any kid like above five or six I think would enjoy it. There's like some funny scenes and then there's you know they they won't get everything, but I think they would like it. Yep. All right. Okay. So now we're into the uh, top half. Oh, and where do you have people ranked? I have it number nine. Number nine. Yeah. And I see quite a few people. People seem to either love it or hate it. Nobody really has it like 18. People yeah. Have it, like it was, it was very divisive at the time. Yeah. All right. Uh, number 12 is silence. Uh, this movie came up now. Is this the one with, um, is this Meryl Streep? No, no. Okay. So what's silence movie? Silence. No as... What's the one where Meryl Streep plays like a, like a nun in, in like the Bronx in like the 1960s or something? Doubt. Doubt. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Doubt silence. Yeah, I'm this, looking at Silence. Andrew Garfield, Adam Andrew Driver, Garfield. Liam Neeson. Why do I yeah. have no recollection of this movie happening? Yeah, so this is like one of those movies from the last few years that just like, even though it's a Martin Scorsese movie that, that in my opinion was amazing, just like was a total bomb at the box office. Nobody saw this movie. This is one of my favorite Scorsese movies. I have it ranked number five on my list. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's about these, I think, I guess you call them priests uh, in, in Japan in the 1800s. And they're like trying to uh, spread Christianity at a time that um, Christianity is illegal there. And like they basically, the authorities there are like are hunting down and torturing and killing anyone who's trying to be Christian publicly. Um, this is like, I think this is, uh, he was like working on this movie for like 20 years. It's like his passion project that like he was just trying to get made forever. Um, and just like, it really resonated with me um, as just like someone who's like spent a good part of my life, like grappling with like faith and religion and that sort of stuff and i just really spoke to me in a lot of ways it's just like a beautiful movie um just like very passionate and this is this is one that i like would absolutely absolutely recommend for everybody to see i think it's great all right so number five we're reaching into uh, ob's top top movies but that means we skipped on your list number 13 i think Number 13, I have Mean Streets, which I know I'm, oh, wow. I, was, I was relatively low on. Um, I just saw it uh, last month uh, before I had you made the list. I just happened to watch it anyway. And then what happened today, you ain't going to believe because it's just incredible. I, I can't believe it myself. What? I was in a game. I was ahead like six, seven hundred dollars, right? You got to be kidding Yeah, me. and that's the street. You know, you know Joey Clams? Yeah. Joey Scala, yeah. I know him too, yeah. Yeah, Joe, no, Joey Scala is Joey Clams. Right. Right. They're the same person. Yeah. Hey. Hey. I, I mean, I definitely see why people are very high on it because it's like it really was groundbreaking at the time. Um, just like all of the things that like you associate with a Scorsese movie now in terms yeah. of just like the gangsters and the music and just like capturing that slice of life feel are, are all in this movie. Um, I just think like his later versions are more perfect versions of that. Yeah, um, this is his third movie. Um, his first two are the bottom two movies on our list. Who's that knocking on my door in Boxcar Bertha? Mean Streets, just so people know, is number five on the overall rankings. Um, Metacritic has it as his number one movie of all time. Yeah, well, yeah. so yeah, wow. Uh, IMDb is uh, lower than anybody else, actually, at 15. Now, I, I actually saw Mean Streets, which is uh, rare that I've seen a movie from the 70s like that's not famous with Martin Scorsese, but I really, really liked it. It's a little bit slow, but it feels, it has a very much 70s feel, but I say that as a positive. Yeah, yeah, it really just like captures the mood and the feel of like what it was like in that time and like being with that group of people. It's about like community. And yeah, I really liked it too. I just was, I'm a little bit lower on it than some of these others. All right. So um, we're missing now. Oh, number 15. What's your number 15 movie? We're missing that also. Okay. My number 15, which is number nine on your list is The Last Temptation of Christ. 
um, which was, I think, his by far his most controversial, controversial yes. movie. There was like mass protests, very similar to the Passion of the Christ protest, in that most of the but protesters the had never seen the movie yes. and like oh, didn't I even see. know what, what what was in it. Yeah. Um, what I what I can what I would guess are the, the two things that are were, were very controversial about this movie is that it shows Jesus having sex in this movie with Mary Magdalene, which obviously is something that you know mainstream Christianity doesn't agree happens um and then there's also like a scene towards the end where jesus is like telling paul like well you know you can't really go around saying that i died and resurrected because i never died and paul said ah, that doesn't matter as long as people believe you died like that's the most important thing which you know there is a truth to there in terms of like what it is a religion means like whether you know reality versus just like what is meaningful and stays with people but obviously to have a movie where you know, Jesus is acknowledging that the resurrection was a fraud is not something that, you know, the church and mainstream Christianity is going to approve of. Yeah. Um, again, it's another one that's just like at least 45 minutes too long. It just like drags for very long periods of time. But, it, you know, it really, you know, to the extent that you can make a Jesus Christ biopic, I thought this was a good one. And it, you know, it depicts his life, his struggle with faith, his struggle with, you know, pain and suffering. It, 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 it's not exactly... Scorsese's struggle with faith or Jesus's? Well, I think it's both. Okay. Um, I, think, I, think, I think Jesus is, is yeah. like a Scorsese avatar in this movie. So, you know, yeah. you, could, you could tell the ego on someone who's like, I'm going to make the Jesus Christ figure be an avatar for myself. Yeah. But, All right, you know, what is so um, the last movie before we get to the cumulative top 10 is number 11 after hours, which I've never yeah. heard of. Yeah, I never heard of this movie either. It's awesome. It's so good. Where do you uh, have it ranked? I have it ranked number seven. Oh, wow. Got any money? Yes, I have money. Is that what you want? Money? Why didn't you just ask for that in the first place, man? Here, it's not much, but it's all I've got. I'll take your money because I don't want you to feel you left anything untried. You keep the quarter. You still have to wait a few minutes. Okay, Mark. Why doesn't he have to wait a few minutes? Tonight is Mohawk night. If you had a Mohawk, you could go in. I, I literally never heard this movie. I just like turned it on. I was like, all right, I guess I have to like go through the motions of like watching these movies because of this thing that I assigned myself. And I like totally loved it. Um, basically, it stars uh, Griffin Dunn. And he, oh, wow. it's basically like a, like the classic, like bad night in New York City movie where like he just like goes out after, at, literally after hours, like at midnight and just like goes from like one person to the next and just like constantly gets into these like Murphy's Law situation where everything just gets worse and worse and worse and worse in just like a hilarious and surreal way. Um, it's just, it's really, really good. Um, both uh, McAllister parents from Home Alone are in this movie. So that's just like an extra <laughs> treat. Okay. Just, to see them right before they became super famous. Um, this is one that like I would absolutely recommend. Everyone should see this. It's just like tons of fun. It's like very stylistic. Um, it's it's almost like an, a very early episode of How I Met Your Mother, and the way it just like captures that like anything could happen in New York City type thing, and just like just getting into like random hijinks with random people that are just like. You think Mark Scorsese would be uh, pleased with that comparison you just made? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, yeah. it's 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 a better version of that, but it's really good. It's really a lot of fun. All right, what is your number 10 uh, Scorsese movie? My number 10 is Casino. Um, okay, which, which is, is number nine, which is the lowest ranking spot on the overall list. In the casino, the cardinal rule is to keep them playing and keep them coming back. The longer they play, the more they lose. In the end, we get it all. Now, Casino is a movie that I have a lot of uh, hot takes about. So let me hear yours right. first. 
Um, I thought it was good. Like it really, it has like that excellent Scorsese vibe. De Niro and Pesci are great, but it's kind of just like a poor man's Goodfellas. Like he's just like trying to like make the same movie in a different location. And it just like doesn't quite work, especially since we just had Goodfellas a couple of years before. Um, but like just the way it shows like the inner workings of the casino, that's just like classic for Scorsese. Just that like, it's like in the first 15 minutes of the movie where like there's like this yeah. long tracking shot where it just like yeah. goes through the, the bowels of the casino and you see how everyone works together and how they're getting all the money out. Um, By the way, his you know, pants again. move, which Seinfeld later stole, and which I do also sometimes at work. You don't know, wear your pants in the office. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I remember I wrote into Akiva and Rob's Seinfeld podcast to, to reference the fact, I think that episode of Seinfeld came out just a couple months after Casino. So I was already oh, wow. an obvious reference. Um, but Interesting. So here's yeah, my take know. about Casino. Yeah. Now, we don't live in a world where like, people's opinions about Goodfellas aren't known. Right. And so I don't, so I can't say this in a vacuum. So, but by which I mean, I like Casino more than I like Goodfellas. Wow. But, but I think what I mean by this is that if I lived in a world, if I was an alien from space and I landed and I watched these movies from scratch, I might like Goodfellas more. But because of the fact that we live in a world where everybody raves about Goodfellas and nobody ever talks about Casino, I sort of feel the need to talk up Casino, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, I, so I say that I like Casino more, but I'm not sure if I really like. I, I, do I enjoy it more because it's a better movie or do I enjoy it more because I feel like, you know, this is my take that other people don't have. I'm not sure the answer. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I mean, I think Casino is really good and like it's possible that I would like it more if Goodfellas didn't exist because yeah. it's just like a lot of the stuff feels like very, you know, derivative of the movie that just like came right before it basically. Um, I, I do think that like there's parts of the movie where it just like feels a little scattered and like there's like these subplots that you're not really sure why they're there. Whereas like Goodfellas I think is basically a perfect movie. Also, the idea that Sharon Stone would be attracted to Joe Pesci, I have a little bit of a problem with. But <laughs> I've seen Casino more than I've seen any other of his movies. I have seen it anytime it's on TV. I stop and I watch for the next two hours. Yeah, it's really fun. It's really good. So I guess part of my issue is that you know Ray Liotta. Obviously, he's you know he's very very good in Goodfellas, but I don't really have like an affinity towards Ray Liotta as an actor per se. Whereas all the main actors in Casino are great and then james wood in casino is like such like an asshole and if you know james woods in real life or on twitter like that he's such a he, he's a similar asshole in real life and so you know i just i don't know i, I like that sort of meta part of it which i'm sure wasn't even the intent in 1995 yeah. when we came out yeah but um yeah so i really 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 like casino i i've seen it you know if you accumulate all the times i've seen an hour here and an hour there i've probably seen casino at least a dozen times Wow. So yeah. Um, um, yeah, so that that's that's um, if I was making a ranking, that would be uh, near the top. Uh, some of my some of my hot takes of Scorsese movies you're not going to like as we get to his uh, all timers that I'm not the biggest fan of. But uh, yeah. what's number eight for you? The Wolf of Wall Street. Let me tell you something. There is no nobility in poverty. I have been a rich man and I have been a poor man, and I choose rich every fucking time. Yeah. Because at least as a rich man, when I have to face my problems, I show up in the back of a limo wearing a $2,000 suit and a $40,000 gold fucking watch. The Wolf of Wall Street, is it his funniest movie? It's The Wolf of Wall Street and I think After Hours are his two funniest movies. I think After okay. Hours is really funny, but Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street is really funny. There's just like probably like six or seven just like incredible set pieces in this that are yeah. just like over the top hilarious. Yeah, when he's stoned uh, and trying to get into his car. Yes. That's yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. like Borat level comedy, like in yeah. terms of physical comedy. Really yeah, it, there's really great. Like DiCaprio and Hill are just like this excellent buddy buddy team. That like who would have ever thought Jonah Hill two time Oscar nominee? Wow, who who saw that yeah. coming? Um, it's also just like you know 
these two movies I just mentioned, After Hours and Wolf's Wall Street, are very funny, but it's like, it's easy to forget that, like, Scorsese movies are very funny. Like, even, like, the ones that are more serious, they have, like, these, this undercurrent of humor in them that I think is what really makes it work, is that, like, you're, you're watching these, like, horrible people in a lot of these movies, but, like, you're also having a lot of fun because there's, like, the dialogue and, like, the sharpness and the quickness of it just, like, makes it, like, an, a really fun experience to be in these worlds with these just, like, fun characters. Yeah, um, it's, it's a really, really, really entertaining movie. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have sort of the, the all-time status of some of his other movies, so I understand why it's eight. And by the way, eight is not low for a Scorsese movie, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really enjoyed Wolf of Wall Street. You know, I, I don't really buy some of the criticism that it was, like, glamorizing yeah, what I was he did that much. That. Yeah, I, 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 that wasn't my experience with the movie. I thought that he was, like, very clear that, you know, he thinks these are bad people. Um, yeah. Margot Robbie, know, by the way, absolutely gorgeous in this movie. Like, yeah, well, she's gorgeous. Everybody. She's, I, I think she's probably the best-looking person on the planet. Um, I just oh, wow. I can't... Uh, every, I mean, every, when I came out of that movie, I had a similar feeling. Like, she was insanely attractive in this movie. Yeah, everything that she's in, she just, like, pops off the screen. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, she's, she's not, she's not bad to look at. Uh, number, number eight on the, uh, overall list is a movie that you haven't mentioned yet. So it's in your top six is, uh, The Departed. Oh! Are you still a cop? No! No! Swear on your mother's grave, you're still not a cop! I am not a fucking cop! Now, I think everybody, the general consensus on The Departed, which by the way, IMDb is at number two, which shocks me that it's this high. Wow, I think most yep. people's opinion of The Departed is, it was obviously like a Lifetime Achievement Award. It obviously should not have been the movie for which he won his Oscar, but it's still a good movie. Now, have you seen the, um, the is it the Japanese movie that it's based off of? No, I, I, I had planned to. I just didn't get to it. Uh, yeah, it's called Internal Affairs. I mean, that, I, I agree that is the general consensus is that this was kind of like a makeup award for like all the other snubs he had. Yeah. Um, Where do you have it, it, by the way? Six. I, I have an, I have a number six. Um, okay, yeah. I, th I think it's a really good movie. It's it's more entertaining than great. It's just like every scene is really fun. The yeah. the performances are great, other than Nicholson, who I think just goes like too far. Uh, but like Damon DiCaprio, well, Wahlberg. Nicholson has played nobody but Nicholson for like yeah. thirty years. Yeah, like he just every line that he says in that movie is just him talking. Like he didn't even know he was acting. Like the scene in when they're in the porn movie in the porn theater, and he's like, I never understood why men would ever go here. I guess that's because I never had a problem getting pussy whenever I wanted it. Yeah, like, so, that's just that kind of <laughs> Yeah. He just like, he, he feels very out of place in this movie, in my opinion. Um, but, you know. It, I would it, say it Martin Sheen feels out of place. Well, he, he feels out of place just because of like who you associate with him. But like his, yeah. I, don't, I think his performance is, is perfectly grounded in the movie. Yeah. It's, Nicholson just feels like he's in a different movie than everybody else. Like, can I have a very small take here? The, I, like, obviously, smart, smart phones and like touch screens or much better technology than we used to have but one huge negative which this movie accentuates is back in the day you could like surreptitiously type on your phone under the screen uh, under the table and no one would know because your fingers sort of knew where like the where like that where the number two button was and that was abc and the three button was and that was def the, the same way that we see in this movie alec baldwin texting with the phone in his pocket matt but, damon but yes or matt damon excuse me sorry yes yeah. But although nowadays, although nobody could do what he did, that was just absurd. Well, yeah, obviously, but like, but I, but I in my life many times would surreptitiously text under the table with, without, you know, I could text like 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 okay or yes or no or busy. I couldn't text, yeah, like. But now you can never do that because you have to look at your screen because the whole touchscreen. There's nothing tactile about it. Yeah. So, so that's uh, my one take. I would say that the Wolf, of, uh, excuse me, that um, the Departed is his most rewatchable movie. As you said, it's just so entertaining. Uh, yeah, I would say that and Goodfellas, in my opinion. Yeah. But but yes, the, the Departed is like you could just like pick it up at any point and watch to the end. There's like yeah. just like ten classic scenes. Microprocessors. 
Yeah, and you know, I would say you know, we talked about the it winning the Oscar. It's it's I think it's it was a makeup call for Scorsese. But like, if you look back at what was nom- else was nominated that year, it was just a very weak year. So I, I don't think it was like undeserving of necessarily winning the Oscar that year. It's just kind of like a shame that like this is his best picture win. Yeah, and also the uh, the cast in this movie. I mean, he always has you know A level stars in his movies, but the cast in this movie is like comical. Yeah, like, it's a, yeah. stars falling out of stars yeah. falling out of. Yeah, and then the you know spoiler alert the the irony is that is that like the final one of the final twists at the end is like a guy who you're like who is that and, and was he who is he in this movie is the guy who shoots Matt Damon at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not the um, guy who shoots Matt Damon. The guy who comes in to help Matt Damon and shoots yeah, yeah. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. 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 Spoiler alert, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would say though, like it, it seems like it must have been so much fun just hanging out the making of this movie. Yeah. Um, the only bad thing I could say about this movie is that that final shot with the rat is just like, blech. Like, why did you need to do that? Um, I think the Simpsons even had like a, a spoof of it where they have an episode that ends with the rat and they said, the rat is supposed to symbolize symbolism or something like that. <laughs> so now let's get to top five all time. Uh, number six, actually, because the Irishman is a little bit higher. We'll get to that in a second. Is the King of Comedy. Come on, who is it? I'm tired. Well, I'll give you a little hint. Robert Redford. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. That's Rupert Pupkin. Rupert Pupkin. I surprised you, didn't I? <laughs> Take this as a gift. Take good care of that. In a few weeks, everyone is going to want one. Now, you had, had not seen The King of Comedy before you started this, or you had? I had. I saw The King of Comedy probably, like, five years ago. Um, okay. It was another one that, like, I don't even know why I watched it, because, like, I had never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. It is number three on my list. It is one of, like, really one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Uh, it's just, like, so incredibly good. It's got a lot of buzz recently just because – uh, Joker is like he- yeah. was heavily inspired by it, and you, yeah. that be- becomes very clear with, if you've seen Joker. Um, but it's just such a this like weird, dark movie. Um, Robert De Niro plays this guy who is a delusional person who thinks he's going to be a stand-up comedian, and he pulls tries to pull off this crazy heist where he kidnaps a guy played by Jerry Lewis, who's supposed to be like this. I think his name is Jerry Langford in the movie, like one of the late-night hosts, and he like kidnaps him in order to try to like get a spot on his show. Um, and it's just like, it's just weird and hilarious and painful portrayal of this man, but it's like, just like so filled with empathy for him that it's just like, it's not judgmental of him, but it's just, it's just so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I had told you that I saw the King of Comedy like years ago when I was in college, but I don't remember it, which is kind of insane. So I'm definitely, it's on my uh, list of movies to read. Yeah. Everyone should see the King of Comedy. It's, it's so good. All right, so you have it at number three. Now, The Irishman comes in at number four on this list. Now, it was, it was only ranked by a couple of rankers, obviously, because, you know, most people haven't seen it yet. But IMDb has it way up there at number two all time. Metacritic, Metacritic has it at number three all time. Is that just because there's not an, only a couple of critics have seen it and the critics who have seen it really love it or, or just hype? or expl- I mean, I guess you don't know because you haven't seen it yet. But yeah, so I mean, reading, what are your expectations? Uh, the buzz for this movie are, are, is off the charts. People who've seen it have loved it. Um, it is three and a half hours long, which is a huge problem. Uh, I don't know why he, you know, 
you can't make a movie that's only two and a half hours long. Like it couldn't have worked. But you know, that it is what it is. That's this is just like what he does. He makes movies that are way too long, and this is going to be his longest movie. Um, but everything that I've read and heard about it makes me really, really excited to see it. Um, it's it sounds like it's a great movie. But I noticed you said you're going to watch it on Netflix, not go into the theater. Yeah. So I, you know, I was going back and forth. Um, I asked my wife if she wants to see it and she said she does, but like, she wasn't going to like run out to the theater to see it when it's going to be on Netflix. So I agreed to wait to watch it with her because I'm a great husband. Now, but it's not on Netflix for like two weeks or something, I thought. It'll be on Netflix tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Oh, Oh, okay, well then I'll be watching it tomorrow. Also, <laughs> yeah. So I'm my, you know, I've already, you know, I've cleared my schedule. I've said, you know, we're we're gonna make sure we're getting the kids in early tomorrow night, and we're gonna start the movie at a decent time, so that way we, we could at least try to watch it all in one sitting. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I bet. I hope. I would hope that there's like some website somewhere that like tells you like good places to like split it up, because like honestly, like most people are not gonna sit through a three and a half hour movie. So you know, splitting it up into two or three parts is like not the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. I mean, if it's that good of a movie, I don't know how you can split it up and like not be dying to know what's happening next. But yeah, but like you do that with you know great TV shows all the time, right? You watch well, those like over I don't. If, if, if I, I watch them, well, but that, only because you don't have a choice. But if you can, if you can, you know, watch them one after another in a marathon, then like you, you know, could. But like you know, you you know. I mean, I think I've, I've one of my problems with shows, like for example, with Sopranos, is because that's how I saw Sopranos. I saw it years later online, and I just watched them one after another after another. I didn't enjoy it the same way because I sort of rushed them too much. You gotta let it breathe. Sometimes. Yeah, and like honestly, like most shows these days, like the like the concept of the episode is like almost out the window, where it's just yeah. like they make like a ten hour movie and then just like split it up Chunk into up. hour marks, yeah. um, with just and just like putting like a closing scene. So it's like you know, if there's good places to stop, I'm sure there there are ways to split up this movie so you could watch it in a way that will actually make people watch it because three and a half hours is too long my the the theater near me uh has street parking right in front and like i got an email from them saying that they like were in contact with like the local police department to let them know that like there's only three hour parking there so like people aren't gonna be able to come out in the middle of the movie to move their cars so like for like that two weeks they're basically like letting tickets go so that people can watch the movie yeah that's pretty funny um all right so let's get to the the top, so as I said, The Irishman is four on the overall list. We'll have to come back to you and they'll tell us where you have the next week. The top three are pretty clearly um, the top three. Uh, you can have them in whatever order you want, but, um, the, but they're sort of separate from all his other movies by uh, quite a bit in the overall rankings. Number three on this list is Raging Bull. Where do you have yeah. Raging Bull? Yeah, so I have a number four, so I just flipped okay. that in the King of Comedy, but... Yeah. I'm going to kill somebody, Joey. Well, go ahead and kill everybody. You're a tough guy. Go kill people. Kill Vicky. Kill Salvi. Kill Tommy Como. Kill me while you're out. What do I care? You're killing yourself the way you eat. You're a fat fuck. Look at you. Raging Bull is, is, is a classic. It's really great. It's funny because... Uh, the King of Comedy is number one, according to MTV, which is the same uh, list that had Bringing Out the Dead number three. There you go. So, you know, now, I'm a, now I like MTV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, so Raging Bull, it's funny. So we'll, we'll talk about Taxi Driver in a little bit. But Taxi Driver famously was robbed of Best Picture in 1976. It lost out to Rocky, which is less like whatever. You know, it's a fun boxing movie. So you almost feel like Scorsese's like, all right, you want a boxing movie? I'll make a boxing movie. So he makes Raging Bull, which almost everyone considers to be the best boxing movie ever made. And of course, he loses the Oscar to Ordinary People, which I don't think anyone has ever mentioned since it won the Best Picture in 1980. So it's just like you see how like they eventually just had to throw him a bone with the departed because they just kept snubbing him over and over again. Um, again, we, we mentioned before Jake LaMotta was this uh, middleweight boxer um, in the 1930s and forties. He lived in the Bronx. He was called the Bronx bull or raging bull interchangeably. Um, again, De Niro and Pesci collaborating as, as brother slash boxer manager. Um, 
I think this movie is great. I know some people think it's like kind of slow and there's not a lot of plot, but in my opinion, it just really just like captures like the inner psyche of this person who's just like committed his life to being violent and the way that like pattern of violence destroys his life and everyone around him just gets like sucked into it. Um, so it's really like less of a boxing movie in that regard. It's really just more of like this portrait of a person. Um, but I, I actually re just rewatched it last week just because I knew we were going to be talking about it. So I didn't pass up an opportunity to see Raging Bull again. And I, I really love it. Now, what's interesting to me is the, the sort of the, the more high profile rankers, IMDb, Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, they have Raging Bull at six, five and four, which is relatively low. If I read through the rest of the reviews, it's three, three, two, three, three, two, two, four, three, five, three, three, one, three, seven, one, two, one, four, three, one, three, four. So everyone else has it sort of consensus top three. And then, and then IMDb, Metacritic, and Rotten Tomatoes, the cumulative ones have it a little bit lower and have it behind movies such as, now IMDb has it below The Departed. That's just, it's, it's just a popularity contest, obviously. Um, yeah, IM, has, IMDb also in general skews towards recent movies, more recent movies I, I believe. Yeah. yeah, but I'm a little bit surprised Metacritic, I mean, Metacritic has Mean Streets number one. And then, um, so I'm a little surprised that they have, um, and then they have, they have The Age of Innocence even higher than they have um, Raging Bull. So that's a little bit surprising. My, my, uh, my very hot take about Raging Bull is that I, I only saw it once. I saw it in Michigan um, with my wife and all her roommates who were like, none of them had ever heard of Martin Scorsese. And um, we were like debating what movie to watch it was me and five girls. And I managed to convince them to see this movie because it was like a, an all time classic that I had never seen. And the entire movie, they were all complaining about how boring it was. <laughs> so yeah. that was obviously the wrong environment in which to see. But so my memory of the movie is like that it was kind of boring but it was probably ruined by who I saw it. So I should probably yeah. see it. Although I've, I've heard that from other people also, and I could see why people think that. Um, it, you know, it, it doesn't have like a ton of plot. It's really more of just like a, a visceral visual experience than- but, but isn't, wouldn't you argue that Taxi Driver is very similar? Yeah, I mean, I think some people say the same similar thing about Taxi Driver, but you know, um, but yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Taxi Driver when we get to Taxi yeah. Driver. All right, so, what, uh, so two and one are Goodfellas and Taxi Driver in that order. Very, very close. Um, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas is number one on more lists than Taxi Driver is, but Goodfellas drops to number two overall because uh, this one jackass website ranks Goodfellas all the way down to number 15. So they wow. single-handedly take it out of the top spot. Wow. Uh, that, list, that list could be disqualified. Their number one movie is The Age of Innocence. Uh, what else do they have? Their hot takes. Their number two movie is Casino. Oh, okay, so not so terrible. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I, I don't know why they hate Goodfellas. Yeah, that's that's really strange. Like, I I can't imagine anyone not loving Goodfellas. You know, I mean, you don't necessarily have it as like your number one or your number two or your number three, but like, it, Goodfellas is so good. It's just, it's. I really think it's like a perfect movie. It, it's the way it starts out like non-linearly and just like drops you into the middle of the world and then like goes back and like shows you this like rise and fall of Henry Hill in, in the in the mob life. Um, just like all the characters in this movie are incredible. Uh, Lorraine Bracco is so good in this movie. Joe Pesci, of course, the, you know, the scene where he, he trolls Henry Hill asking him if like, he's uh, or, am I a clown? Do you think I'm funny? That's just like probably the most, probably the most famous scene in any Scorsese movie. Yeah. What? Just, you know, you're, you're funny. <laughs> you mean, so? well, let me understand this, because I don't you know, maybe it's me, I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just... You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. By the way, there's no explanation for his ranking of Goodfellas at 15. He just puts it there. Interesting, yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I think kind of like what he does in Taxi Driver and in. Wait, hold on. So which one do you have number one? Sorry, you have Goodfellas. I, I have Goodfellas number two, and I have Taxi Driver number one. Oh, okay, all right. So the same yeah. as the same as the consensus. Yeah. So you help, but again, but if we take out movie, then uh, Goodfellas is actually number one. All right. So, yeah. you know, yeah, like it really like I think subverts the romanticism of the gangster life, where like it starts it out like just like dropping this world. It's like the the most famous scene of the movie, other than maybe the clown scene, is that, the single that shot. first hot the single shot where they come yeah. to the Copacabana and just like yeah. it's a it's a shot that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson basically ripped off in the opening scene of Boogie Nights, uh, just like going around the club and you meet everyone and like you just become like intoxicated in that world. Like they basically put you in Lorraine Bracco's shoes and you see like why she's falling for this guy and falling in love with this lifestyle. And then the second half of the movie just basically turns it on its head and shows you like no these are just, like bad people and they're all gonna end up killing each other. Um, this is you know other outside of the two got the first two godfather movies this is probably the best gangster movie ever made yeah yeah not a hot take I, I agree um every like every song choice in this movie is so good this, the soundtrack is incredible and they just like everything just like fits perfectly to the scenes it's just again another movie that just like if it's on there could be 20 minutes left there could be an hour and a half left like i'm in for the end and yet despite all that you have taxi driver just ahead of it so why yeah taxi driver is is one of my like five or ten favorite movies ever you talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Well, who the hell else are you talking? You talking to me? I watched it again last month before Joker, just to like confirm how much I love this movie. Um, it is probably just like the best like first person character study ever made. Um, the way it just like gets into his head, like it, a lot of it is through um, voiceover as he like writes in his journal and you just like try to go deeper, deeper into his mind as he goes through this decline into just like a complete madman. Um, it's basically a movie where like the main the protagonist is Travis Bickle and the antagonist is New York City and he's just like trying to maneuver his way around and find a place to fit in you know trying to date different types of girls and it's an exploration of his loneliness and his obsession um and just like the portrayal of new york of like this like smoke-filled dirty violent place uh you know focuses on these like people living on the margins of the city um i just like absolutely love this movie the score in this movie is probably the best score in any movie ever made it's just like it's one of the most just like stylish movies just like totally and captures you and just like draws you in for like you don't even under realize that time is passing you just like all of a sudden look up and like you watch an hour and like there's not even like a ton of ton of plot in this movie but like i just find it completely immersive all right so there you have it for av number one taxi driver which is also our cumulative winner number two goodfellas which is also number two he has a uh, king of comedy all the way up number three uh, i need to re-watch king of comedy taxi driver and raging bull i think and then i need to watch for the first time after hours silence and the age of innocence and then obviously the irishman yeah, so those, that, those are my homework assignments. But seven Scorsese movies, that's a lot of homework. So I don't know if I'm going to get through That's a lot of homework. That's seven yeah. movies. That should be about 75 hours. 75 yeah. hours. yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, and it's going to be hard to convince my wife to get into any of those because uh, uh, it's not really her style. By the way, I have exciting uh, late breaking news. When I accumulate your ranking into the overall average, uh, After Hours leaps over the tab, Last Temptation of Christ and makes it into the top 10. Oh, fantastic. So, this yeah. was all worth it just for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, where would you say among all directors Scorsese falls for you personally? Um, he's, he's definitely like in my top two or three. I would say like my, I would say my four favorite directors of all time are Scorsese, Spielberg, Quentin Tarantino, and Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, okay. um, you know, 
Scorsese is probably is probably the most prolific. Maybe Spielberg has made as many movies as him, but they're close. They both made in the twenties. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino have both made under ten, and they're they, in my opinion, have much fewer duds than either Scorsese or Spielberg. But a lot of that is the function of just making half as many movies. And Tarantino has yeah. already said that his next movie is going to be his last. So odds are he's not going to have any really bad movies other than one, in my opinion. But, yeah, well, but do you really believe him on that? I don't know. Like Daniel Day Lewis, Daniel Day Lewis does does the same thing where he's only made like eight movies ever, and then he goes and like cobbles wood in, in Italy or whatever he's doing. But like, what what else is Tarantino gonna do like for the next twenty years of his life? Just, yeah, like, I don't know, look at people's feet. I mean, he's got he's got to make another movie. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I I hope so. I hope he's not done. Um, but yeah, Scorsese is really high up on my list for you know those like top ten that I think are all like really excellent. Um, and you know the the early ones like Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and Mean Streets that really created a genre. All right, so there you go. We ranked uh, all 32 NFL teams. We ranked all 24 slash 25 Martin Scorsese feature films. Uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Akiva uh, fell asleep at some point. Uh, he claims that he's like a, a bigger movie fan than me, but he has seen, I think he said like five Scorsese movies total. So he's disqualified, obviously. Yeah, Akiva's canceled. Yeah. Uh, well, that would be great if we can cancel Akiva. All right, Av, yeah. uh, thank you so much. And you can listen to Av on the uh, 32 Fans Movie Pod. What are you guys doing next? The Irishman? Uh, we're, doing, we're doing The Irishman. So everyone should okay. go see it. It's going to be on Netflix Wednesday, November 27th. Uh, clear schedule. Cancel your Thanksgiving plans um, and your and your and the rest of your weekend and find a way to squeeze that movie in. Yeah, which would be a worse uh, Thanksgiving? To go to uh, a Georgian restaurant in Queens or just make the whole family sit down and watch a three and a half hour movie? Um, yeah, I think you just go to, go to the restaurant and then watch the movie when you get home. Yeah, no football necessary. All right, uh, thanks so much. No problem. Have a good one. Okay, bye.
Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or staying together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community.